Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. Indeed, it is time for Movies and Booze. We are joined once again by Gene Smolin, Arlene Hunt, and straight from the Irish Times list of hot young things to look out for in 2023, <laughs> Fanula Jones. Uh, good afternoon oh to you God. all. Hi, guys. You do oh. know that because they, they legally now can sue you unless you become, if you're not a household name by the end of this year. Okay, so yeah. if I automatically become like not hot, like very cold, I'm going to yeah, be sued. That's, okay. That's, uh, yeah, they're, Interesting. They're for that. I'll but have to but keep congratulations at being uh, in. in uh, Including that list and not mentioning us at all. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, no. Already the rear view mirror was up. I can't believe this. <laughs> that was the end of that. But that was nice though. It's nice, yeah. yeah nice. It's nice. Yeah. To be included. Okay, you're playing that playing the very uh, yeah. Downplaying the whole thing. Right, right, okay. The studio, oh my God. <laughs> so, Jean, uh, uh, good afternoon. Hello, uh, how are you? Uh, uh, we're visiting Cloudy Bay again. We are indeed. Um, but Chardonnay this time rather than Sauvignon Blanc. Yes. This is an iconic uh, New Zealand winery. And... Um, Yes, um, I've been there twice, and I, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Did you they know? always do the Chardonnay, or is that did that come yeah, after? Yeah, they the... have. They've always said, and in fact, Kevin Judd, who was the guy who actually put Cloudy Bay on the map, um, an Englishman who, who of all these, he was in he was in Ireland. Um, he has a, a wonderful winery called Grey Wacky, and he came over to do a tasting last October. Um, he and his wife, and he's just the loveliest man you ever met. We had lovely tasting, and he was showing his range of wines. But he was he was the, he was the person who basically invented uh, the. Cloudy Bay Sauvignon Blanc and put that as a wine category on the global wine map. Mm. So, um, yes, and then we've also got... Well, before you get to that, this yeah. is your opportunity to, to, oh. to subtly slip in your reference to yes. your uh, uh, wine fair. <laughs> New Zealand Wine Fair. It's my 26th. I've been working with New Zealand Wines for 26 years and oh on Monday the 30th of January we'll have the 26th New Zealand Wine Fair which is this year on in the Westbury. Tickets are currently on sale, price €20. Gene uh, Smullen and you'll be able to buy them there and we have uh, 25 wineries coming over and you'll be able to taste over 100 wines so and it's great it's great because they're, they're great great fun people and it's they're, they're always good wines yeah. always really good wines 100 of them my god and St John's Ambulance would be there too <laughs> oh uh, no, no you spit you spit <laughs> of course you do of course you do uh, and so and this is a, uh, and the second is a, is a Prosecco is a Prosecco, it, Prosecco yeah and um, I know it's not Valentine's Day but it will be soon but it's yes. Romeo and Juliet um, uh, Rosé Prosecco that we'd be looking yeah. at as well. And that's a lower alcohol one we're yeah. looking at there? And, and again, if you're doing damp January um, and you're looking for low uh, ABV wines, 11%, it, the, you know, this is a good one okay. to try. Right. Uh, right, Arlene, tell me the Fablemans is garbage, please. <laughs> Oh, okay. Only because, and I that's can't. not a badness if it was any other year, but but, but because of Banshees, I, you know. No, you I, can't, can. I can't, I can't in good conscience tell you it's garbage, it's oh, not. Oh, God. It's quite a lovely film, really. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's, it's, most people probably know at this point, it's coming of age, um, kind of a biography of, of Steven Spielberg himself. The, 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 the disillusionment of his parents' marriage and his sudden and really passionate involvement in like making movies from a really really young age he fell in love very very young he was only mm. a little fellow when his parents brought him to see The Greatest Show on Earth and that was it he was transfixed so no it's, I can't say it's it's, uh, it's it's quite a it's long though so if you don't like long movies okay it could be that yeah keep that but in mind no, but, but it's, it's an interesting thing because given this is really a biopic of him 
But so many of his movies are to do with fractured family relationships and trying to reestablish a relationship because he he did have a very difficult relationship with his father, as I understand, uh, and who had and his parents had split up and all that kind of yeah, stuff. But uh, his father, played by Paul Dano uh, here, Bert, is a very pragmatic and practical man. He's not artistic at all. He's very involved in computers and, and development of computers and, and wires and mm. things of that nature. Whereas um, Sammy, who's, who's the Stephen King character, is very much like his mother. And his mother is, is played by Michelle Mi- Michelle Williams and her name is Mitzi. And Mitzi is a talented pianist, uh, creative, artistic. She's a pain in the backside, to be honest with you. She's, yeah. you know, she's just... But he and her connect in... Uh, in every sort of way you know they get each other they understand each other they don't necessarily understand where the father's coming from a lot of time which creates this kind of frustration between them Um, so you can see where in this movie he's very bonded to his mother so when his mother his mother's failings hurt him a lot if that yeah, makes sense. Yes, yeah, because yeah, yeah. It's just, it kind of struck me that almost like that the people will see this film and it's almost like the culmination of its work. They will see similar themes that have been in years going back decades, which is why people will like it more, particularly the It's interesting that he waited for his parents to die to pass yeah, yeah. before he yeah. developed this particular film. Yeah, that's so interesting. And uh, the other one, let the right one in. Does this let this, the wrong one in? Let the wrong one in. Sorry, this is your man from Buffy's in this. Is that right? Yeah, Anthony yeah. Stewart Head. Yeah. <laughs> I don't oh, know why dear. you find any of that funny. Oh, well, you haven't seen it yet. Have no, you? Right. <laughs> That's a good laugh. Yeah, well, it's very. It's okay. This is going to. This is a marmite film, right? You know, okay. people are either going to love this or they're or they're not. Mm. <laughs> I thought it was great fun, but. You know, I get the impression that not everyone feels the same way about it, but it's just, look, it has its tongue very firmly wedged in, in its, its cheek. cheek. Yes. You have to remember that going in. Yeah. And basically it's, um, if you knew what the, the, the right one is, in, it was based on a book, based on a, a very interesting film where a child is a vampire and she has her familiar who looks after her and she, she befriends a little boy next door. This is slightly different, but it's a, it's a kind of a play on that where uh, Matt is a young fella. He works in a supermarket and his brother arrives up at the house on a sunny day with sort of smoke coming off him. So straight away you think, what? Gosh, what's happened here? And as it turns out, he has been bitten the night before by a bride-to-be in the jacks of a local nightclub. <laughs> oh, wow. We've all been there. <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so there are issues <laughs> revolving around this. Not, lo- not the least being that the brother, the errant brother who turns up Deco, has been barred from the house by his own mother for stealing things to to fund a drug habit and right. he's come in with a vampire okay. blood habit and this, I should point out this is an Irish film as well is, so yeah, that's a, a, a sense of humour there right okay right Fanula um, voting and awards and yes. uh, 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 the SAG situation what's going on now yes so the Oscar voting began yesterday and we got the SAG noms this week which are the Screen Actors Guild and people usually take them as a better guide for how people are going to fare in the Oscars in comparison to the likes of Golden Globes because obviously we all know the Golden Globes controversy over the last few years and kind of the sheen has gone off them. Um, so last year all four acting winners at the SAGs went on to win Oscars in their respective categories. Like it's less likely that you'd be it's less likely that you'd win an Oscar without a SAG nomination if okay. that makes sense. So in terms of who's up and I'm just going to focus on the acting categories because that's what we care about. We're all rooting for Colin and the lads and Kerry and everyone else. So 
in terms of the male acting categories, you have the usual suspects like Austin Butler is up for Elvis, Colin Farrell is up, Brendan Fraser obviously for The Whale, Bill Nye, I suppose one surprise there would have been Adam Sandler got a look in for Hustle on Netflix. Now, the argument there is that he's been like very, very heavy on the promo trail for it in a way that kind of others haven't been, like say maybe like Tom Cruise for... Uh, what is the pilot movie called? I'm blanking. Yeah, he has been doing a maverick. Yeah, he has been doing much after that. Uh, and then in terms of the the female actor lineup, as you're mentioning, the Fablemans. So obviously you have like Kate Blanchett's up uh, for Tar, Viola Davis for The Woman King, Michelle Yeoh, Anna Jarmus. Uh, and then people who didn't get a look in you have Olivia Coleman, Margot Robbie and then Michelle Williams of the Fablemans. People reckon she didn't get a run in because she passed on campaigning for supporting attention because she obviously plays the mom in this movie and her her point was that she kind of wanted mother roles to be upgraded. People reckon she'll still get a look in at the Oscars um, despite this. Uh, back to Banshees then you have like Brenda Gleeson's up for supporting Nam as is Barry Keown as is Kerry Condon. So basically things are looking very good for them okay. for the Oscars. I'm being like cautiously optimistic about it. And did, did, on SAG is there like best movie and, and best script and that kind of stuff? Yeah. yeah. And like it's again it's all the usual suspects there. They kind of reckon because there was a huge shift towards uh, kind of putting the focus back on female directors and stuff that we'll see probably Mark McDonough will get a good look in and they're kind of moving back towards like the male directors and their work. Um, but yeah I'm quietly I'm quietly confident for the lads. Um, the SAGs are going to be streaming actually for the first time on Netflix's YouTube channel. They've struck up a new deal with them. So that'll be February 26th to see if they win. And if they do, I feel like I'm going to jinx them here now, but I feel like they're they're in with a good shot, I think. So, yeah. That's it. How much kind of... Um, you mentioned there that like campaigning that they do and, and what does that consist of? I mean, what doesn't it consist of? It's just kind of being seen and being everywhere and talking to everyone. I mean, like we talked about like Brendan doing, Brendan Gleeson doing Saturday Night Live and kind of Colin uh, turning off Just, just and, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, just being everywhere, I suppose. It, like, it's interesting that Adam Sandler got a look in because I, I think, was it Brian that it, it reviewed it for here? And he thought it was like grand, but I suppose he's been shut out before for kind of maybe movies he was more deserving for, like Uncut Gems. So like, mm. there's a question around that. There was actually a good stat around the the male acting nominees as well. So they're all first time nominees if they do win at the SAGs and that ends up translating to the Oscars. Like if they get nominated for the Oscars, it would be the first time since 1934's three men roster of Clark Gable, Frank Morgan and William Powell that all of the Oscar nominees, the male ones would be first timers. So very interesting. This wow. is a good one for a pub quiz. Okay, I'm going to put out a very cynical point, but okay. because Lisa Marie Presley died, does that increase Austin Butler's chances? I don't. I don't think that's cynical. I think it's probably kind of. I. Th- I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if you considered the very emotional speech Austin Butler gave when he did win at the Golden Globes, mm. like. Oscars want eyes on them like there's a and I mean look people would still argue that he is deserving of it and that movie was sure, such a juggernaut yeah. and everything like that it, it's but, now um, weighted it with so much emotion totally yeah totally so it will be it'll be interesting so I just want Colin to win to give another lovely speech, speech again oh, yeah. God, I cried so much him and Jennifer Coolidge just so go- so good to see him win so good to see him get that respect finally after putting in that work and just oh love it love it so much okay well 
We'll see. Right, so what did we drink first, Jane? Okay, we're going to start with the Prosecco. And this is the 2021 Romeo and Juliet Prosecco. And this is from O'Brien's. Normally it's priced €26, but it's on offer. They have a sale on and going through their stores until the 6th of February. And this is 1895. Now, this is made by the Pasqua brothers from Verona. And uh, they originally, the family started making wine in 1925. But they're based in Verona. So this is their, uh, I suppose, tribute to uh, Romeo and Juliet. And if you see, and I and I put it up, I posted it on social media, the um label is all if you ever if you ever go to the Romeo and Juliet house, well I mean it does it's it's only a tourism attraction. Yes, it's but not their actual everybody house. has graffiti, you know, looking yeah. they write on the on the building, you know, they're looking for, you know, their love, you know, find me my true love, all this sort of stuff. So they this is actually a sample of the graffiti that you find in the house in Verona. So they've called it the Romeo and Juliet Prosecco. Ah, right. yeah. So Prosecco Rose is actually relatively new. I mean, who knew that nobody thought about it until until 2020? It actually only became a wine category in, in um, uh, three years ago. So, huh. I mean, in November 2020, the DOC, they passed the laws that said that you could make rosé prosecco from Glera, which is the grape they used to make white prosecco, and 15% Pinot Nero, which is Pinot Noir. So it must be, um, you know, you must have at least 15% Pinot Nero in it. And, you know, obviously to, to take the colour from it. This one is extra dry and the funny thing about um, the Prosecco rules, brute means the really dry style mm. and extra dry means the sweet style. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes perfect That's sense. Italy for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, even just having, you know, taken a sip of this, there's... There, it's, it's lovely, quite, Jane. It's got, yeah. you know, it's got a lovely kind of strawberry flavours. It's, you know, you, you've got your bubbles. It's a, a fully spumante. Um, you know, it's not the frizzante where you've only got like light bubbles. It's got the full on spumante bubbles. And, you know, anybody like also the ABV 11% is very good. So what I would say is if you're like Valentine's Day is around the corner. This is on sale to the 6th of um, uh, February. So so buy a bottle now if you can and hang on to it and then you can give it to your true love and sure, yeah. share it with them on Valentine's Day. And it's, it's on offer at 1895. Uh, Pete wants to know, uh, c- uh, could you ask, is there anywhere in Ireland that does wine from the Bladden Winery in Marlborough in New Zealand? B-L-A-D-E-N. Travelled the wine region there over 10 years ago. It was the best Sauvignon Blanc I've ever tasted. I know because I work with New Zealand wine it's definitely not on the Irish market is it yeah, not? No, no. It's not. He, no he says it was a small place yeah, so that's probably yeah, why yeah, yeah 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 and I mean there are those I mean Marlborough is just the most one of the most beautiful places in the world and you do come across all these tiny little wineries there but unfortunately it's economy of scale you'll find they're probably exporting their wines to Australia because that's the, one of the biggest markets for New Zealand wine globally but it, ha- it hasn't made it as far as Europe I'm afraid yeah okay and probably unlikely to no unlikely that small. yeah yeah okay. yeah Sorry, Pete, you'll just have to travel back there yourself. Right, so Arlene, which movie would you like to do first? Oh, I th- we think we should do uh, Let the Wrong One In first. Oh, OK, uh, we've got uh, uh, Crazy Dublin Vampires after this break. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Tonight, we'll have enough vampires to take over this city. Ah, look, here comes the bride. <laughs> What exactly happened? I was at a party and some board had a gun on my neck. Wait a sec, you've been bitten on the neck. You're allergic to sunlight. And you don't like the garlic fries. I think I turned it. That's my only clean shirt. Oh, sorry, buddy. Stego, put two and two together. Four. 
Mal, you're a vampire. Oh, but <laughs> that is uh, let the wrong one in. And even the like the trailer is funny. Uh, and and Arlene as as you know, we have to get extra tissue so she can wipe the tears oh, from her dear. eyes. Uh, even when she's been telling us about it, it's um. <laughs> Is this could could this potentially be a work of genius? Oh uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on how you define genius. <laughs> yes. It's um. Do you remember when? But probably when we were kids. Remember when the Rocky Horror Show came out first, yeah. and people yeah. were like very snooty about it, mm. and a bit sort of like, "Oh, this is terrible and stupid and camp and all the rest of it." Well, <laughs> Rocky Horror just developed into something different to this might have this has potential to develop into something I've never really laughed as much out loud in a cinema before watching this it's ridiculous mm. but it's so much fun it's so much fun it doesn't take itself seriously as you can hear from the it doesn't yeah. take itself seriously at all and then you've got these two fellows who are brothers and that's how they talk to each other the whole way through the movie there's not like Deco's not the brightest spark or vampire to exist on the planet and then you've got Anthony Stewart Head who everyone knows as Giles from Buffy who arrives at the house bringing with him an eternity of gravitas into the situation <laughs> well that's genius casting it's then. amazing it's amazing and he naturally is a vampire hunter <laughs> has to kind of do something about Deco but it's almost impossible to do anything about Deco because he doesn't describe to the normal <laughs> the normal mannerisms or affectations of vampirism because one he doesn't really believe he's a vampire for, mo- for most of the first half of the movie even though quite clearly he is uh, he's, as I say he's not that bright he takes a bit of convincing right okay and, and, and wh- where is the movie set? Uh, it's actually set under the bridge there in Beggar's Bush <laughs> <laughs> two or three aerial shots it's basically just looking down on lots yeah. <laughs> and there's a train station a train bridge there which actually is a pivotal part of the movie at, at one okay. point so I don't want to I don't want to diss on that at all mm. um, yeah but it's set in back. but the, like, I think I said to you the opening scenes are supposed to be in Transylvania yeah. and it's clearly Dublin, <laughs> Dublin the gates of Dublin Castle so it really doesn't take itself seriously at all but it's good it's such good fun it's such good fun if you want to go and sit there and laugh and just have the crack and just you know, put your notions to one side and, yeah. and just laugh at something. This is great fun. Yeah, great and, so, fun. and essentially, then I suppose the kind of story arc is Anthony Stewart Head has to decide what he's going to do about Deco. Everybody well, has and to also his good lady fiance, who actually turns out to be the bride chomping vampire at the start of the movie. So oh. you know, he's a bit irked by the fact that the woman he he loves and wanted to marry is now going around trying to take over all of Dublin with you know her vampire vampire coffin. Yes. <laughs> And like apart from, <laughs> don't, ask me logic. don't ask me logic on this. Yeah, apart from uh, fake Transylvania, uh, uh, is, or have they? Is it filmed much around Dublin? Is oh, Dublin used as a totally, location? It's much? all Dublin. It's all it's, it's all done in Dublin. Every part of Dublin has been sort of suckered into this one to a degree. Um, it's a very Irish film. It's very Irish. Every, everything about it is very Irish. Even down to the fact that the vampires at one point rock up to someone's house and they have one of those big long. You know, you know the big trucks that people get for proms and stuff like that. Yeah. But they rock up in this free <laughs> comer thing. Yeah, yeah, something like free yeah. comer, and that's that's, and they're not trying to be seen or noticed. About yeah. that. So they rock up in somebody's house, so it's like, sure, why not? <laughs> As you do. That's actually the first time, Arlene, you can barely get the reviewers because you're laughing so much. It's just, I just want people to understand that it's extremely funny, but please don't take it seriously because they don't, and yeah. it's, it's very entertaining to watch. Uh, and is it at all? What's the, kind of the? Uh, could you bring kids to it? No, probably not. But there's a bit of swearing in it. Um, it's 
not as vampire movies go, it's not terrifying. It yeah. isn't. But there's a bit of swearing and there's probably a bit of adult content that they wouldn't get. It might be a bit much for younger kids, but certainly teenagers teenagers have a cr- the crack with this for sure. Would this transfer to an audience outside Ireland, do you think? I actually looked this up just because I was so curious about how how because especially when we were talking about like, you know, the the Banshees Vinshri and stuff like that, how this translates and people Across the water, <laughs> I think this is the greatest thing. Ever. I think they think it's a lot more artistic than it is. That's brilliant, though. That's so fantastic. It's, it's why easy, wouldn't it? It seems to be doing very well for it. Oh, but I suppose if Banshees transfers to an, uh, an international mm. audience, mm. why wouldn't this? Right, this is it. So I mean, it's it's culturally very modern <laughs> with vampires, but uh, and it just it you know what it is? It's the humor translates. The humor translates. It's 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 completely tongue-in-cheek and it doesn't take itself seriously so it's, it's very difficult not to watch it and just think to yourself right this is kind of slightly crass humour but it's very funny okay and this is in cinemas uh, yes, real life is. cinemas yes. it's not on a yeah, stream no, or anything in, like that cinemas. okay good actual one. cinemas okay that's a total recommendation there now uh, Megan has done very well not that Megan what's what's what what Megan are we talking about Entregan the, the Yassifies Chucky we've been talking about before that yeah. it's like this new horror movie from Bloomhouse yeah it's doing much better expected kind of globally and in the States, especially for horror and people are putting putting it down to the fact that it's like got a PG-13 rating. Now, I haven't seen it yet. I am going to see it. So nobody spoil it for me, please, because I'm really excited. Um, but apparently it's not really, it doesn't actually really lean into the horror. There's a few kind of freaky moments, whatever, but it's more like people are calling it this kind of cl- camp classic and the fact that it's just this robot girl threatening to kill people, basically. But yeah, so like most horrors wouldn't get a, a PG-13 rating. They'd get older. So sorry, our classifications as well are different to the US. So uh, PG-13 in the States is basically like some material may be inappropriate for children under, under 13. Over here, it is a 15A, which I think is essentially the same, but it's just like, again, they use 15 as the age. Um, but it had a budget of like $12 million and it's already made like... 30 million just in the States and I think it's on track to make kind of similar globally. Um, okay. And it's the first, it's first horror released in January to open to more than $30 million since 2012 when Devil Inside started off with $33.7 million. But um, just even comparing it to kind of past ones in the genre, you had the likes of A Quiet Place came out around this time, I think, or like during the pandemic. And again, same genre, but had the benefit of being like a franchise. So obviously people were going to go to see how the story went and everything else. And then you have something like Nope, again, obviously opened. They're all opening in the $40 million area but again nope is like you have the legacy of Jordan Peele and you kind of know what you're getting with the director like that you kind of have that name recognition so people are kind of seeing it as a big coup nearly I don't think okay. people expected people to turn out from M3 again but they did so justice for right. M3 okay, so this forever is a, I'm obsessed this is with a, her. a breakthrough right Paul Maskell uh, now I saw that there was a lot of um, excitement about uh, Gladiator 2 I assume that's a big deal Yes, because Ridley Scott's massive. been talking about it's it for massive, yeah. ages. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he is... Now, I don't think it's fully confirmed, but I think it's all but confirmed that he's going to be starring in the sequel. Um, and the sequel story will centre on Lucius, who's the son of Lucila, and like he's the nephew of... Commodus. Wa- yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Paul Mescal is going to be playing that character. So that's very exciting. Obviously, a big coup for him as well. He's just on the up and up. If anyone hasn't seen After Sun, go see After Sun. It's incredible. Um, but he's also just been cast in Merrily We Roll Along, which is from Richard Linklater, who did Boyhood, Days and Confused, School of Rock, and it's based on a stage musical by Stephen Sondheim and George Firth. But what's interesting about this is that it's going to, like, if you know Boyhood, that was shot over, like, 12 years. So, like, mm. all the actors age up. This is the same thing, but it's totally over 20 years so we're not going to see it for 
20 years essentially he's playing Franklin Shepard he's a talented Broadway composer who abandons his friends and career to become a Hollywood producer with the story being told over 20 years he's taking over from Blake Jenner who people know from Glee but he had some not great accusations around his personal life so he was obviously taken out of the project and now Paul Mescal has confirmed he's going to be starring alongside Beanie Feldstein who people know from Booksmart and Ben Platt who's very he's dear Evan Hansen he's very in the musical theatre <clears throat> community so yeah he is just Paul Mescal's uh, flying it, flying it yeah. how old is Richard Linklater in the in the thing in the no in actual life oh in actual is, life I'm not he, sure I mean if he's if he said right I'm going to shoot a film over 20 years that's a bit of a he's really know, banking on like might not be an optimistic dying yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know that's a good question yeah he must be he must be confident that he's in fine fettle so but I wonder then has he made a kind of a if in you know a contingency in the, plan yes yeah. in the event of my death you know ring up just carry director on director X yeah yeah interesting mm. what's going on with Ezra Miller Ezra, what isn't going on with Ezra Miller? So we've been talking a lot about the the DC universe and how that's just permanently up in the air. And one of those movies that's kind of is slated to be released this year. It's supposed to be out June June this year. Is the Flash and Ezra Miller is supposed to be playing the Flash, but they have been embroiled in this just like never ending like legal troubles. Most recently, they've pleaded guilty in this Vermont court case. So he's avoided jail time because he took a plea deal over an alleged burglary incident that took place. I think it was May last year. Um, and basically, because he's taken the plea deal, they're kind of saying that they'll be able to get out of, you know, it was to avoid jail time, basically, in, in case they need to do press for this movie that is apparently still going out. But this isn't... Well, I thought there's a number of reasons why you'd want to avoid jail time, oh, really, yeah. not just that one. <laughs> True, that as well. But, like, this isn't the only thing. So, like, he got a, they got a 90-day suspended sentence, the year of probation, fine, whatever else. But, like, he's, they've constantly been the headlines over like just legal issues there was a assault in Hawaii yeah assault in Hawaii just it's it's mad that I suppose they're still pressing ahead with the flash when there's all these headlines surrounding this person and mad accusations and this fella like broke well allegedly broke into somebody's house just to rob drink was that like the gist of it it was good wine apparently yeah. It's not going to be really good wine. <laughs> going for the Verona Rose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they, he, they made a statement late last year saying that they were seeking treatment for these complex mental health issues. But this movie is done. So I think they're just also kind of like with the fact that Superman has been shelved, all the stuff of Black Adam, all the other movies like Backer are not going anywhere. Like I kind of think they're just, they're, the powers that be are like weighing up the risk that they're like, we need to make some money from this and it's here and it's it's just sitting there. We'll just get it out and people will go see it anyway, despite the fact that that people have been kind of watching Ezra Miller blow their life up essentially in Is Ezra the public Miller life. A day? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You were referring to various days here. It can be confusing, yeah. if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so it will be interesting to see if, if it even ever comes to light. But as of right now, it is due out, uh, like June. So we'll yeah, see. But if they have to spend a load of money on it, they kind of, as you say, they have no option. Really, That's because do I don't know if they can position it now as a tax write-off in the way that they have with other projects. And can you recast at this point? That means you have to reshoot the whole thing. That costs more money. I don't know. I think they're just, they're like, this is a risk we're willing to take. And I'd say they were just like, Tezra, get get yourself together. We need to get this movie out. Like, let's just go. Like, whatever. We'll forget everything else. We'll have a nice answer for you for on the, on the press tour. It'll be fine. I don't yeah. know. They, yeah. Doesn't sound like there'll be a flash too, anyway. No. Uh, based on that. Uh, lots of people texting in to ask. Uh, the movie, the first movie Arlene was talking about is called Let the Wrong One In. Let the Wrong One In. And is it in uh, cinemas now? Uh, from Friday. From Friday. Yeah. Which should be today. 
Oh, it's Friday. Yes, that is. Yeah. Uh, So there we go. Well done. Uh, Well well timed. Uh, Does Prosecco or champagne last as well as wine in terms of storing it for a few years? If I bought that Romeo and Juliet uh, Prosecco, would it last 18 months? Prosecco and champagne are made in two totally different ways. Champagne, it's bottle fermented. Prosecco is made in a tank and the second fermentation takes place in a tank and it's bottled under pressure. Prosecco is basically made to be drunk young. It's not a, a, a wine for ageing. Mm. It's a young, fruity, fresh, sparkling wine from northern um, Italy and it doesn't really have a long shelf life and it's something that you know is very, very popular and, you know, with so many people and so it's not made for longevity. I mean, there are, they, there are premium ones and there's ones grown in the Grand Cru vineyards. Yes, they do do the high-end Prosecco that are made to age, but the, the, the average uh, ordinary Prosecco, no. Champagne, what happens is the ageing takes place in the cellar and they can age it for many, many years. It's after they disgorge it, after the, they take the dead yeast cells out of the bottle. Once they bottle it at that point it's never going to improve or disimprove its quality Mm. level is always going to stay the same so it's the cellar ageing that counts in terms of the ageabilities for example I remember years and years ago being visiting Krug which is one of the greatest champagne houses in the world and um, Catherine Sedou, who was the great niece of the original crew who had founded the winery, was telling us, oh, yes, the other day I opened the 1923. And that had been lying in the cellar since then and they had disgorged it so that she could open it. So that that's the, so it's a slightly different um, way of, 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 of operation in terms of fine champagnes. So, you know, once once it's disgorged and the big cork is put in it it's never going to improve but it's never going to disimprove either yeah the French eh (laughs) (laughs) I just poured out the 1923 Movies and Booze on Moncrief on News Talk uh, let's celebrate with a, a little glass of cloudy veg. Okay. Uh, the big thing, I mean, trend in, in wine at the moment is drink less, drink, spe- drink better. And certainly at the, this, this is, a, you know, a very, very good quality Chardonnay. Even though it's from New Zealand, it's made actually in the Burgundian style. And price wise, it's, it's similar what, to what you pay for a good quality um, Chardonnay from Burgundy as well. This is the 2019 Cloudy Bay Chardonnay. Um, retails at 45.25 and it's in independent off licenses such as Higgins and Glansky, O'Driscoll's in Cork, um, Donnybrook Fair stores. So, you know, you'll get it in, in, in the independence. Um, as I said, I, I was lucky enough to visit Cloudy Bay twice. The estate was originally founded in 1985 by uh, David Honan, who's a, an Australian who had a, a vineyard out in Margaret River called Cape Mantel. And in 1986, he employed a young English winemaker called Kevin Judd. And Kevin created this unique wine style, Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. Um, and Cloudy Bay, you know, in, in, in the 1980s and 1990s was the most sought after uh, wine, a bit like the Whispering Angel of today. Um, so Honan sold the estate in 1992 um LVMH, Louis Vuitton, Moët, the, the fellow now who is the richest man in the world, okay. owns it. So, um, but uh, it, it's got very strong, it still has very strong, you know, consumer recognition. It's still, you say Cloudy Bay, people know exactly what it is. Everybody knows the Sauvignon Blanc, but actually what I think, New Zealand Chardonnay flies so below under the radio. I think New Zealand make absolutely amazing Chardonnay and I've been lucky enough to visit there quite a few times and every time I have tasted Chardonnay be it from Nelson or Marlborough or particularly up Hawke's Bay in in North Island 
the quality is just sublime. And I mean, Chardonnay is a grape. It's, it's quite easy to grow. It's, it's, it doesn't have the, the sort of problems other grapes do. But the thing is that it's, it's a very defined style because it's a grape variety that has great affinity with wood. And it's got, you know, tropical fruit flavours. And then when you age it in oak barrels, you get this enormous complex flavour, which I personally adore. But, you know, again, Chardonnay can sometimes be a hard sell with people. They 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 don't like the flavour profile. But this to me is absolutely gorgeous. The 2019, this was the vintage. Remember that it was so it was so poor. Do you remember when in lockdown we couldn't get Sauvignon Blanc from yes, anywhere in the yes, world was, yeah. for love nor money because the New Zealand had such a has had such a low volume of production as as did um, Europe because remember the big frosts that came down mm. and froze everything solid. Um, the, the, you know, the, there was very little little wine going around in, in 2020, particularly Sauvignon Blanc. So um, the 2019 vintage, though, even though it's kind of was low yielding, the quality of it is apparently absolutely super. And having tried this, I can certainly see that's the case. This is a fresh, fragrant, mouthwatering um, vintage. The Chardonnay, you have aromas of, you get the lemon, some floral notes even there. You're certainly getting the vanilla and spice. But then... What you get, what makes great Charlie, that creamy texture, the, there's gorgeous kind of there's lime flavours in there. The, it, you know, it's not too much tropical. It's more citrus. Um, this is still young, but has enormous potential. Now, it doesn't come cheap. It's mm. nearly 50 euro a bottle. But if if you're saying, right, we're going to drink, we're going to really enjoy, we're going to spend a little bit more and we're going to really enjoy what we drink. Then then this, this, is damp, this is a new trend. Damp is drinking more carefully drinking less and then drinking better is buying more expensive wines because the quality is just so fantastic. Yeah. Like yeah. You're, 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 you're not going to be afford the second, yeah. second bottle so you only have the one. Still, though, I do, I do find it very inspiring what you were saying there about 2020 and, and certain grape varieties uh, and certain wine varieties were in short supply but Irish people toughed it out nonetheless. <laughs> Uh, it was great the way they overwhelmed that. It was like the spirit of the Blitz uh, 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 once again. Uh, you know Jeremy Strong, the fellow who plays Kendall Roy in Succession. The love like, of my life. You know, like he like did this big thing about him in the New Yorker, basically saying this guy's a bit weird. An incredible article, yeah. Whether yeah. it was maybe it was probably a little bit hippiey, but just yeah. so good. But like then. But then every time he opens his gob, he just kind of, he goes, that's not me. But then every time he opens his gob, he seems to just reinforce that notion of him. Yeah, no, I kind of fully think he's just leaning into it now. He was, uh, he was, he did an interview recently and he basically said, because season four of Succession is currently still in production. And he said that not only does he like pick out the wardrobe for Kendall Roy, he never changes out of it when they're filming. And he, it, like his sentence is, the clothes make it the man and aesthetics are so personal. Like he says that and there's not a hint of irony in it. Like I'm just, He's nuts, but in the in in the way that I want every celebrity and every Hollywood person to be. Like I think he was seen on a red carpet wearing. If anyone's seen the Too Much Birthday episode where it's his fortieth and he's the big necklace, like he's been on red carpets just fully wearing that. I think he finds it genuinely hard to separate himself from his characters when he's in it. He's so immersed in it but I'm mm. obsessed with him give him the world honestly and I cannot wait for that fourth season it's going to be so good yeah it is yeah I just wonder why he'd be like to meet as a person he oh like it might be a bit intense I feel yeah. yeah I feel like I'd be on edge the entire time yeah but yeah it's a great line. Have you tried <clears throat> acting, dear boy? Yeah, there is that. <laughs> so right, good. speaking of, uh, we'll move on to our second uh, movie of the day. It is The Fablemans. Here's a clip. I want you to make a camping trip movie. Uh, you can learn how the editing machine works while you do this. It'll make your mom feel better. Yeah. That last night when she 
danced in the headlights, that'd be great. Get to it tomorrow, okay? Um, tomorrow's when we start shooting. <laughs> Escape to nowhere. We're shooting all weekend. Shooting this weekend. We got like forty guys coming to be in the movie. I'll, I'll work on all the camping trips stuff on Monday. I'm asking you to do this now for your mom. Yeah, and I said that I will, just not tomorrow. Please. Don't be selfish. She just lost her mother. That's more important than your hobby. Dad, can you stop calling it a hobby? It'll cheer her up watching this. It's something we can her do. Her mom just died. It's, it's, how is that going to cheer her up? Because you made it for her. Right, uh, that's the Fablemans. One thing, though, is that, like, this is a movie, basically a biographical movie uh, of, uh, of Steven Spielberg. So a film, how can you make a film? Obviously he has, but how does one go about making a film about making films? and make it interesting to people who don't make films. I think that part was quite good because he shows the, the methodology behind how he creates certain scenes. You know, mm. so if there's a fighting scene, how it's, and it's, it, a lot of it is super low tech, but it looks great on screen. So, you know, you have a, a board, like a, like a seesaw almost. And so when it you, sounds like somebody's shooting, you just step on the board and all the, the dust kicks up behind you. So it looks like mm. an explosion has gone mm. off. So it's all quite low tech. And it's interesting to see how he solves a lot of the problems that will eventually go on down the line in movies, obviously where he's got much more money and much more technical uh, machinery behind him. But he, he, it's very low tech how it is. And it's really quite interesting how he solves those little problems. Even there's one wonderful scene in it where he thinks it looks very fake when people are shooting at each other with, with toy guns. So it's like, and obviously that looks fake. So he's found that if you put pins in the microfiche, that it gives this kind of golden snap glow quickly. So yes. it's like bullets. And it's, it's, this is stuff he all discovered as a, as a child, pretty much, as, as himself. So he was always very deeply involved in everything he was doing. Yeah. Okay. But, but in, in general, the concept, because his great drive is to be a, a filmmaker, uh, obviously that's of interest to people who are interested in filmmaking. But like to a general audience, is there enough of it, if you like, a, that <clears throat> personal story, the, that family story that's compelling? Th- this, is, this is a movie about his family more so than it is about filmmaking. Yeah. The filmmaking is interspersed the whole way through. And it, you can see how it is as a technical thing that he enjoys, but also how it, it's been a crutch to him in several stages of his life where things were going bad for him. And so he was able to fall back on filmmaking because when he looks through the lens which is quite interesting when he looks through the lens he sees things through the lens that he might not see just with his natural eyes like for example his father is asking him about making this movie for his mother from the camping trip they went on and he sees something in the film that he's putting together that he didn't see on the camping trip and it basically alters the course of his life right okay it's a very long film though it's very long is it too long for me, yes, I really enjoyed it, but I still think they could have shaved 40 minutes to an hour off it and it would have been just as good. Honestly, it would have been just as good. Yeah. Uh, is this uh, uh, Oscar worthy? I think Michelle Williams is up for an Oscar for this. I would be really surprised if she wasn't nominated. She is magnetic in this, genuinely magnetic in this. Right. Um, I think actually the, the young boy who plays Sammy, um, it's a young guy called Gabriel LaBelle. He's incredible. He's really charismatic. He's very, he brings a lot of charm to it, you know, mm. as, as the young Steven Spielberg, Sammy as, as he is, you know, he's got that kind of dorky quality to him that you kind of warm to. Like he's super into films, but he gets bullied quite a lot. But the way he handles the bullies is actually quite funny. It's like it's almost like a New Yorker kind of energy to him. He's great. He's great fun to watch. So I think, yeah. you know, it'd be interesting to see so how sh- he goes on. Should Banshees be worried? That's uh, my point. <clears throat> I'm thinking about Kerry. 
it's they they it's good competition for each other. Yeah. Okay. Diplomatic. Uh, finally, Zoe One One, uh, a movie sequel. <laughs> Sequel. Who asked for this? Yeah, so Nickelodeon have started production on this. It'll be coming to Paramount+. Plus. Jamie Lynn Spears is reprising her role as the titular Zoe. Um, and a load of the other original cast members are coming back. I could rattle them all off, but like most of the ones you could think of. It's just very interesting given where she is in her particular point in her career in the sense that, you know, she's been dining out on being Britney's sister and writing the book after the conservatorship and doing lots of interviews about it and stuff like that. But basically the show is picking up uh, their reuniting as like Pacific Coast Academy alumni um, for a wedding in the present day. So they're all going to be the age they are. It's just, you should see like the comments on the Instagram posts talking about this are telling. Like the Britney fans are not happy about this at all. It's, yeah. Controversial. Yeah. Okay, we should look forward to that. That's our lot uh, uh, for today. Fanula, Jean, Arlene, thank you all uh, very much. Movies and Booze, I'm Moncrief, on News Talk.